Welcome to the Take Control of Your Wealth podcast. I'm Shauna Perron. And I'm Christy Matwe, and together we help people gain the knowledge, skills, resources, confidence, and inspiration to build optimal and enduring wealth. So if you're ready to create financial freedom, to be able to do what you want, when you want, without worry about yours or your family's future, then turn up the volume and let's get started with our latest program to help you take control of your wealth. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Today, Sean and I are going to talk about stock markets, including what they are and what you need to know from a practical perspective when it comes to your portfolio. As you may have learned in our other episode called Demystifying Stocks and Bonds, stocks are sold by companies as a way for them to raise money to help them grow their business, and they are bought by investors to help them grow their portfolios. The companies are essentially sharing a piece of the company in hopes that your investment can help them grow their profits, which the investor gets to participate in, so it's a win-win. That's right. So to begin, it's important to understand what a stock exchange is. And it's basically a platform that brings buyers and sellers together and tracks the supply and demand or the transactions of each company's stock, therefore creating a market. The supply and demand determines the stock price. The major stock exchange here in Canada is the Toronto Stock Exchange. And in the U.S., the big ones are the New York Stock Exchange and the NASDAQ. When people refer to the stock market being up or down, they're generally referring to one of the major market indices, which track the performance of a group of stocks that trade on these exchanges. The indices can either represent the entire market or a smaller component of it, such as just technology companies or just retail companies or another sector. Yeah, the indices you've likely heard about are the S&P TSX Composite, or just the TSX, which tracks the performance of a broad set of companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange. It is comprised of Canada's biggest companies. It is equivalent to the S&P 500, which is an index that tracks the 500 largest companies in the U.S. You've probably also heard about the NASDAQ and the Dow Jones Industrial Average, or the Dow in the U.S. The NASDAQ, not surprisingly, contains companies that trade on the NASDAQ exchange, and it contains more than 3,300 stocks, most of which are technology companies. Dow contains only 30 large or blue chip stocks that trade on the New York Stock Exchange and the NASDAQ. Yeah. Then are the indices that cover multiple countries like the MSCI EFI or the MSCI World Indices. The EFI index, E-A-F-E, stands for Europe, Australia, and the Far East, and is a more broad-based global index representing 21 developed countries excluding the U.S. and Canada. The MSCI World Index, on the other hand, includes the U.S. and Canada. We could go on and on about describing different indices, but these are some of the major ones that we all hear about in the news. What's interesting is that the MSCI world, which is obviously supposed to be a world index just based on the name, is skewed significantly toward U.S. companies, which make up about two-thirds of its value. That might be surprising if you think about the size of various countries in terms of population with places like China and India being over four times the size of the U.S. Canada, on the other hand, is an immaterial weight in the world index. That actually leads us to a pretty critical point about the composition of these indices and how the various companies are weighted within them. So the easiest type of index to understand is what we call an equal weighted index, where each stock is treated the same. So for example, if there are 50 stocks in the index, they make up 1 50th of the value of all the companies and therefore have an equal influence on the index return. 
Yeah. And then there are the price weighted indices where companies are weighted in proportion to their price per share. This implies that the higher the stock price of a particular company, the bigger the weight in the index and therefore the more impact it will have on the index returns. The Dow Jones is the best example of this type of index. In other cases, indices are based on market capitalization of the companies listed. And in other words, the larger the company value, which is measured by the stock price times the number of outstanding shares, the greater the weight and impact it has on the index returns. And the best examples of market cap weighted indices are the S&P 500 and the TSX. The MSCI World Index is also a market cap weighted index, hence the huge representation of U.S. stocks in that index because the U.S. has some of the biggest companies in the world. So the type of index it is will determine how the weights of the individual companies within the index are calculated, and that can have a big impact on the overall return of the index. And as we are recording this, this concept about index composition couldn't be more important. Yeah, for sure. So what we are seeing has been a very big bifurcation in the indices this year, as there are a handful of companies, mostly in the technology sector out of the U.S. that have had exceptional returns, making these companies bigger than ever. And the impact to certain indices has reflected that. The five largest U.S. stocks, Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Microsoft, and Google, now known as Alphabet, now account for almost a quarter of the S&P 500 market capitalization. And since the S&P 500 is a market cap weighted index, it means that these five stocks alone determine nearly a quarter of the overall index return, despite there being 495 other companies in this index. Yeah, and now consider that these five stocks have returned around 35% year to date, while the remaining 495 stocks have dropped around 5%. So five technology stocks have dragged the index up, meaning it may not be representative of the broad market because most of the companies haven't done that well. And if you were to look at the 500 stocks on an equal weighted basis, it would give you a very different result. So a textbook will tell you that the indices are supposed to show us performance of a broad basket of stocks and that investors can use this information to compare the performance of their own portfolios. But from a practical perspective, and unfortunately, we need to use caution when comparing our portfolio returns to index returns because more than likely your portfolio doesn't look anything like that actual index. And you may not want it to look like the index. It's fine when those big five stocks are doing well, but when they aren't, you may not want a quarter of your portfolio in them. Yeah, that's right. So the composition of the indices is not perfect, but it is a set formula and has been followed for years and that will likely continue. However, investors need to have an understanding what the underlying factors are that make up the index when using it to compare it to their own portfolio. This is also helpful to know when considering owning ETFs or exchange-traded funds. These are low-cost funds that track a specific index, which we talked a little more about in our episode on stocks and bonds. Some people will look at their portfolio returns, and if they don't measure up to the index or what they think are the market returns, they might say, well, why don't I just buy an ETF so I can get the index return rather than pay somebody to manage my money? That's fine, but if you're going to do that, you really need to understand what the composition of the index is and what's actually in it. Yeah, exactly. We talked about technology stocks and their impact on the S&P 500 this year, but there are even more profound examples of index concentration. And Nortel, for example, a company that went bankrupt, 
at one point made up over one third of the TSX. And because Nortel was such a big company and the TSX is a market cap weighted index, it had a big impact. So sometimes you might be taking on more risk than you think when owning an ETF, just because of how the index weights are actually calculated. Right. And the other thing to consider with a market cap or price weighted index is that an ETF needs to buy more and more of a stock that's going up in value in order to stay on track with the company weight in the index. And the same is true on the way down, where an ETF needs to sell more and more of a company as it falls in order to follow the index. And that's somewhat counterintuitive to the buy low, sell high philosophy people often talk about. It also creates a kind of momentum. And with over $5 trillion invested in ETFs today, there is now more potential that they will increase the volatility within the markets. But volatility certainly isn't a new concept and is something investors need to understand and accept because investing in the stock market makes sense in the long term, especially due to the compounding effect. Most investors will have heard about the concept of compounding our money. Compounding refers to the fact that when you invest, you earn a return on the initial investment in the first year. And then in the second year, you not only earn a return on the initial investment, but also on the money you earned in the first year, which has kind of a snowballing effect. The bigger the return you can get each year, the more snow you can pick up and the bigger your snowball gets over time. Yeah, that's important because being invested in the stock market is what can allow investors to generate those bigger returns. Basically, going back over 100 years or so, the general stock market has been able to return between 6 and 7% on average each year, and that's significantly higher than what you might get on other asset classes such as cash or even bonds. Yeah, so that kind of return on average would allow an investor to nearly quadruple their money in 20 years. So that's the power of investing in the stock market. And we hope that this provides you a good overview of how the markets work and why most people need to be invested in them, all with the goal to help you take control of your wealth. Thank you so much for listening and stay tuned for our next episode. Remember, everyone, don't settle. Take control of your wealth. You can find more information by visiting our website, takecontrolofyourwealth.ca, or by following us on Instagram or LinkedIn at Take Control of Your Wealth. We look forward to connecting with you. Oh,